So we pray. After his dramatic conversion to faith in Jesus Christ, Saul of Tarsus began his ministry in Damascus, and the church continued to grow, even multiply. How did that happen? What is the secret to a growing church? For starters, godly leaders who never quit. After that, faithful leaders that always encourage. In the early church, some people challenged the authenticity of Saul's faith following his Damascus Road experience. That's when an encourager named Barnabas came to Saul's defense. God bless Barnabas. Encouragement is like oxygen to the soul. What the church needed then and now are faithful leaders full of grace and encouragement. Who will you encourage today? I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. Do you want to build a church that never stops growing? Start with a leader who never stops trying. Hello, I'm Brian Davis, and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. He's lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And today, Ron takes us to the life of the Apostle Paul to show us the four keys to church growth. Now, it's all part of his continuing series, AD, Acts of the Apostles, and it comes your way next. Stay with us right now, or you can visit somethinggoodradio.org to hear any of Ron's messages on demand on your schedule. That's our new and expanded website somethinggoodradio.org. Now, from Acts chapter 9, here's Ron with part two of his Something Good radio message, The Secret to a Growing Church. Never give in. Never give in. Never, 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 never in nothing great or small, large or petty. Never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. I mean, it just you know, sends tingles up and down my spine to hear Churchill say, never give up, never give in. And I ask myself, where are the leaders in the church today? Where are the people in the church today who have that kind of tenacity? Who say no matter how hard it gets, no matter what the challenges, no matter what the hardships, we will never retreat from the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. No matter how, how many times it seems overwhelmingly that the enemy is conquering. Oh, no, we are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we never give in. We never give in. Never, 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 no, never. Jesus said, when you follow me as a disciple, put your hands to the plow and do not look back. And the history of the church has a leader like that in Saul of Tarsus who became the great apostle Paul. Ministry started out rather easy. <laughs> Head fake, <laughs> then it got difficult, then it got next to impossible. And you wonder, are, are, is the gospel even advancing? Oh, well, you read the book of Acts, and even in the midst of great hardship and great conflict, plots to kill some of the leaders the church of Jesus Christ marched forward, and here we are today. That's the first secret, I believe, to a growing church as it relates to leaders, godly leaders, strong leaders that never, ever quit. And then secondly, faithful leaders that always encourage. 
Let me shift gears a little bit here and shift tone. And let's go back to Acts chapter 9 and let's focus on verse 27. It says, when Saul got to Jerusalem and some of the people were wondering, you know, about the authenticity of his conversion, it says, but Barnabas took Saul and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. God bless Barnabas and may his tribe increase. Yeah, every church needs one or a whole herd of Barnabases and whatever the female version of Barnabas is, I don't know. But Barnabas means son of encouragement. And if you read uh, and know anything about Barnabas in the book of Acts, he was just that. He, he, he was a guy that was just dripping in encouragement. Encouragement is like oxygen to the soul, somebody said. And in the absence of courage, uh, the soul, or of encouragement rather, the soul just shrivels up. But Barnabas was one of those guys that came alongside the Apostle Paul. I'm calling him Paul now. Came alongside Paul. And, and, and when others were firing bullets at him, came alongside him and said, no, 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 you need to understand something. This, this, this guy's faith in Christ is genuine. He's the real deal. And he met the Lord on the road, and he spoke to him. And, and I was there when he was preaching in Damascus and preaching boldly that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It was Barnabas that smoothed the way for, for Paul, even among the believers in Jerusalem. Now, throughout Saul's ministry or Paul's ministry, uh, he had some people that caused him harm, and, and, and he wasn't afraid to call people out in his letters and mention them by name. In one of his New Testament letters, uh, Paul just simply says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. No details, but just an honest moment. I can tell you I've met Alexander and his twin cousins, all right? There's an Alexander the coppersmith, you know, seemingly everywhere. He says, Demas, having loved this present world, has forsaken me. And that's in another one of Paul's letters to Timothy, and it's at a time when, oh, it just drips in, in loneliness. I mean, Paul is lonely. He says to Timothy, come before winter and just, just, just come be with me because Demas has forsaken me. Turn with me to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Let me, let me read you uh, a passage where there's uh, several names that are mentioned, some that have caused him harm and others that have just been a refreshing uh, encouragement to him. 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 15, Paul says, you are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me. You ever had people just turn their backs on you? I just felt the pain and the loneliness of that. Uh, Paul did. Maybe that was part of the suffering that he experienced for the name of Christ, the fellowship of his sufferings, because Jesus had people who turned away from him among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. He's not afraid to name names and to call these guys out. They turn their back on Saul. But he goes on, listen to this. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Anesiphorus. For he has often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains, but when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day, and you well know all the service he rendered in Ephesus. 
Just like I say three cheers and God bless Barnabas, God bless Onesiphorus. You've probably never heard his name before. He's one of the unsung heroes in the, in the New Testament and was such a refreshing, encouraging presence in Paul's life that he gets mentioned here. Uh, Paul was in Rome, and he was under house arrest, and it got lonely there. Onesiphorus heard that he was in Rome. He gets to Rome, and he seeks Saul out. He, he comes after him. It wasn't just a chance, you know, meeting somewhere in the streets. No, he seeks Saul out at great risk, no doubt, just to be a refreshing encouragement to Paul. Um, I have a, a few Onesiphoruses in my life, one in particular, Colonel Henry. He's a friend of mine in D.C. and had a difficult time in my ministry when I needed some encouragement, and I didn't even know the man. A letter shows up in my mailbox from Mississippi. He and his wife spent some time in Mississippi part of the year and other part of the year in D.C. where we were serving. And he just reached out like a, a refreshing, you know, brook of cold water, cool water, refreshing me and encouraging me. And to this day, we are friends. We just had a conversation four or five days ago. He's my Onesiphorus, and he knows that. And we often talk about that experience, you know, eight or ten years ago where he sought me out, didn't even know me. And, and was refreshing. I, I'm just saying that in growing churches, there are not only strong leaders who never quit and never give up. There's a tenacity to their leadership like the Apostle Paul, but there are faithful leaders who always encourage, always refresh. Uh, do you have a Barnabas or an Onesiphorus around you, or are you that to somebody else who needs encouragement? Believe me, in the church of Jesus Christ today, in the world today, we are encouragement-starved. Uh, we're on, uh, you know, a respirator, as it were, because there's, there's so much criticism that can come in our world today. It's just all over. Just turn on the news. It's one person attacking another person, another person attacking that person. It's this for that. Be an encouragement. Be a Barnabas. Be an Onesiphorus. And fortunately, in this church, there, there, there are hundreds of them. I could never feel more encouraged as a pastor because of, of, of the, just the, the, the atmosphere of encouragement in a place like this. And I say three cheers to Atlantic Shores for that. So strong leaders who never quit, faithful leaders that always encourage. Number three, people who fear the Lord. This is one of the secrets of a growing church. And now we get to the verse that inspired the title of the message, The Secret to a Growing Church. It's verse 31. Follow along as I read. It says, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. Notice how the gospel has been spreading. Just as Jesus said to his disciples, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts, the plan is unfolding. And then it says, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit it multiplied. Verse 31 is one of those summary statements that we run across in, in, in Luke's account in Acts. Uh, the first one we, we came to was um, Acts chapter 2 and verse 47, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. And there, there are summary statements like that about how the, the church was growing and even exploding in growth. And we've talked about how the math changes from the Lord was adding to 
Well, this is the second time the reference is to multiplication. The growth is so exponential that now we have to change the math. And I look at verse 31, and this takes me back to the church growth conference. (laughs) If I were speaking at a church growth conference, it would be a short 30-minute talk about the kinds of leaders that we need in a church, those who are strong, godly leaders that never quit and never give in, and then uh, those that are faithful and always encouraging. And this is something for all of us to embrace, people who fear the Lord. We'll return to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones in just a moment. Now to listen to any of Ron's messages on demand, please visit somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, make sure you check out our online store where you'll find resources that'll help you grow in your faith. You'll find these resources by using the library tab right at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Something Good only exists through the faithful prayer and financial support of listeners like you. And today as you give, we'll give you access to download the complete series that you're hearing now, AD Acts of the Apostles. That's all 19 messages in Ron's teaching series called AD Acts of the Apostles. Now you can donate a couple of ways, online at somethinggoodradio.org, That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or you can simply mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. And there's one more way. You can also call our offices, 757-276-1099. So now here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, The Secret to a Growing Church. Now, Proverbs tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. What is the fear of the Lord? Does it mean we cower in His presence and we're afraid of Him? Well, if you're not a child of God by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, well, to some extent, you need to understand that our God is an awesome God, like a consuming fire. And if I could scare you out of hell, I would. (laughs) Um, The Bible also talks in one sentence about the goodness and severity of God in the same sentence, in the same breath. So, uh, yeah, to some extent. But if you're a child of God by faith in Jesus Christ, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And fear, the fear of the Lord takes on a different meaning. It means respect. To fear the Lord is to have such an awesome respect for who He is and what He says that we put it into practice. We don't argue, we don't negotiate with Him, we don't say, yeah, but… No, there's just an awesome respect for God, the fear of the Lord. It permeated the body of Christ in the first century, and I think it was one of the keys, certainly Luke thought it was, uh, to mention it here, one of the keys to church growth and multiplication was there was a prevailing atmosphere of the fear of the Lord, an awesome respect for who He is. You know, our our culture has completely lost the fear of God. We started as a nation uh, grounded in biblical principles. Our founding documents say that. But in the last generation, we we have jettisoned the fear of the Lord. There's, There's very little respect for God in the public square. And when that happens, it's a slippery slope and not long after becomes the loss of respect for law and order. 
and we're experiencing that right now. There's very little respect for authority in our culture today. Uh, children are, are being raised in homes where they're not taught in a proper way respect for parental authority, for the authority of teachers and coaches, even law enforcement. Uh, we're tearing that down. And it begins with a loss of the fear of God in a culture, an awesome respect for who He is, what He says, and what He says about us and how we should live. And we need to be careful as a church that that loss of the fear of God doesn't creep into our midst and uh, we're, we're disrespectful to the God-given authority figures that He's placed even in our lives, starting with the Lord and the Lordship of Jesus Christ. His is the first authority that we submit to, right? And as a follower of Jesus Christ, we say, not my will but thine be done. Uh, we say, um, uh, not, not my agenda but yours, and uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And, and we, we lay all of our other dreams and aspirations and uh, yeah buts aside, right? There was something in the early church where you got a sense of the awesomeness of God and a respect for Him that is missing in a lot of our culture today. And then finally, uh, the comforting presence and power of the Holy Spirit is mentioned in verse 31. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the church multiplied. I, I say in a growing church, there's something about the leadership, there's something generally about the people, and then don't ever forget the role of the Holy Spirit. You can't read the book of Acts without seeing that uh, certainly, Jesus Christ is the main character, but He ascended to the Father and sent the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, He comes to empower the church. Ephesians 3 and verse 20, now unto Him who is able to do exceeding and abundantly beyond all that we ask or imagine, according to the power that is at work within us, to Him be glory and honor through His church. What power is He talking about? Well, it's not personal power or self-power or the power to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps or the power to reason in your minds and to figure out how to do this thing called church. No, it's the power of the Holy Spirit, friends. You and I will fail miserably in the Christian life if we try to live it in our own strength, in our own reason, in our own ingenuity, to think we're smarter than and we got this figured out. We'll fail every time. But it's the Holy Spirit living in us, the Holy Spirit that indwells every believer in Jesus Christ, okay? That means we have the resources to do this well and to do it successfully. The question is, are we submitting to Him? Because as I read the New Testament, positively, we can walk by the Spirit, we can live by the Spirit, we can keep in step with the Spirit. John chapter 15, abide in me, Jesus says, and let my words abide in you. All of that very similar language. Or we can grieve, quench, and resist the Holy Spirit. And when we do the latter, things don't go well. <laughs> when we do the former, things go well. Yes, in the midst of conflict and hardships and difficulty, Saul was filled with the Holy Spirit, even as he ministered in this places, and yet there were dangers all around him. I never confuse the dangers with you're not on the right track. Usually it means you're on the right track because the devil doesn't want the church to succeed, right? So we just 
we never give up. We never give up to the uh, overwhelming threat of the enemy. And we know that uh, greater is He that is in us, and we are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. Uh, simple, I just saved you three days and a, and a conference fee, <laughs> you know, in a 30-minute talk here, the secret to a growing church and the secret to a life that is, is full of fruitfulness and, and all that God would have for us. Strong, godly leaders who have the tenacity, who never retreat from the gospel, no matter how hard it gets. Faithful leaders that encourage and refresh. Uh, the people of God who fear the Lord and who walk in step and in stride with the Holy Spirit. Friends, that's the kind of church that I, I want to be a part of and I know you want to be a part of too. Let, let, let's take these, these secrets, put them into practice, live them out. It, it, it doesn't require a PhD to figure this out. We just have to read the Word of God and read it carefully and then apply these principles to our lives. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us for today's Something Good radio message, The Secret to a Growing Church. And Ron, I know you'll cover more of the Apostle Paul's life and ministry as we move forward together in the series. But, but based on what you've covered so far, what stands out to you? Is there something we can take away from his story to this point and apply it to our lives today? You know, Brian, there's so much here from Saul's conversion to his early ministry uh, to the time he spent alone with the risen Christ. There's just so much here, so much we can learn. But one thing I want to emphasize today is this. Saul's story reminds us not only of the infinite grace and mercy of God, but also that there's really no one that we would classify as being beyond redemption. I mean, if God can save Saul, he can save anyone, right? Only God who, who knows the future can identify who the lost causes are, and, and he's not about to tell any of us, right? So from our perspective, the conversion of Saul should be exciting news because most of us, and perhaps all of us, have close friends or family members who seem so completely lost that we wonder if anything will ever get through to them. And it can be an extremely difficult thing to endure, especially for a parent who, who sees his or her child out there living a life in rebellion against God. It can be a hopeless feeling. It can be a source of overwhelming grief. But this story, uh, Saul's story right here, should give anyone hope. If a mass murderer can become a missionary, if a terrorist can be transformed by the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, then there's hope for anyone. And if you're listening today and you know someone like this, a person who is opposed to God or who doesn't even believe in God or who, who like Saul, mistakenly believes he or she is serving God, well, it's not too late for God to do a redemptive work in that person's heart. Uh, yes, there are lost souls, but there are no lost causes, at least not from God's perspective and hopefully not from ours either. So, friend, be encouraged today. If you're wondering if anything will ever get through to your loved ones, uh, God can get through. He can get through to anyone, and that should fill your heart with hope. That's Dr. Ron Jones with some great final thoughts on today's message, The Secret to a Growing Church. And now, Ron, as we wrap things up for today right here on Something Good Radio, Tell us what's in store for us next time as you move ahead in your series, A.D., Acts of the Apostles. Well, Brian, we're at a fascinating point here in the book of Acts. Um, we're in Acts chapter 9, which covers Saul's conversion and early ministry, both in Damascus and Jerusalem. 
And it is right now, in this moment in time, some 2,000 years ago, when God was about to do something really big. Now, he's done some pretty amazing things already in just the first uh, eight and a half chapters. But beginning with the final few verses of Acts chapter 9 and moving forward, we're about to see nothing short of a miracle. The two primary characters in this narrative are Peter and Paul, but there are plenty of other players involved. Now, I'm not going to tell you what the miracle is about to to be, but you'll just have to join me as I continue my series, A.D. Acts of the Apostles. All right, that's tomorrow when we continue our journey through the book of Acts. So join us for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.